Good morning, everybody. Um, so kids, where are you guys at this morning? Kids, raise your hands up. All right. So today we're talking about this thing called uh, vulnerability. Who knows what vulnerability means? All right. What about uh, anybody ever played like Mario Kart or Super Mario Brothers? Okay, awesome. What happens when you get the star? Levi? They're like invincible pretty much. Invincible. So like nobody can hurt you, right? All right, so that, that is kind of like what invulnerable means. It means like nobody can, nobody can get in to hurt you. Um, so vulnerable on the other side means that you kind of like op- open yourself up. You, you talk to people about things that like they could use against you to hurt you. So how many of you have things that you're good at? Like maybe Mario Kart. All right, put your hands down. All right, what's something that some of you are good at? Zeke? Good at reading. That's awesome. Matthias? Sports. Sports. Sophie? Drawing. 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 Awesome. All right, now put your hands down. How many of you have things you're bad at? How many, put your hands down. How many of you be willing to share something that you're bad at? Jaren? Sports. <laughs> Me too, buddy. Levi? I'm bad at drawing. Bad at drawing. Me too. Matthias? Yeah, those ones are less important. <laughs> Harper? Okay. All right, everybody put your hands down. Now here's another question. How many of you are good at vulnerability? Everybody should raise your hands. All right, put your hands down. See, kids, something that you guys don't know is that there are a lot of things that kids are way better at than grown-ups, and vulnerability is one of those things. You guys don't have any problem, even though it might be a little uncomfortable, you might be a little nervous, you guys don't have problems talking about things that you're bad at. But if you listen to grown-ups, grown-ups talk a whole lot about things that we're good at. But we don't talk a lot about things that we're bad at. Sometimes it looks like grown-ups kind of have it all together, but we don't often have it all together. Like if you were to come up here right now and read my notes, right here it says, kids' sermon, question mark. Because this week, no matter how hard I tried, no matter how much I thought, like I couldn't come up with something to teach you guys about vulnerability. And so sometimes it looks like we have it all together, but really, we're just winging it. We're just doing our best. We're just trying. Uh, Just like you guys do, we just don't talk as much about the things that we're bad at. And so kids, go home today and ask your parents to tell you about things that they're bad at. Ask them to share about the ways in which that they're, they're not awesome and they're not good at things. Um, ask them to be vulnerable with you so that you can learn how to be better vulnerable with them. Um, let's pray and then we'll read uh, or get into our sermon today. 
Father, we thank you that you are good, that you are gracious, that you abound in steadfast love, and that we as your children get to participate in and benefit from that. We get to be loved by you. We pray this morning that as we, we talk about uh, a subject which we might not like, we might not enjoy, we might not want to grow in, that you would send your spirit to, to show us uh, the ways in which your word calls us to be more honest and more vulnerable with one another. That we wouldn't try to, to hide our, our sin or our weakness or our brokenness from one another, but that we, uh, because of what Jesus has done for us, would be willing to open up and share. We pray that you would, would widen our hearts towards one another this morning. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice, for, for your example, that you lived and died and rose again in our place. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So before we get into the, the well, talking about vulnerability today, this is the, the kind of third week in the series. We've talked about weakness. Last week, Daniel talked about humility. Today, we're talking about vulnerability. Like, I want to just kind of throw out what vulnerability is, because sometimes we kind of throw around these words and we don't really know what they mean. Uh, and so vulnerability uh, is a willingness to show emotion or a willingness to show weakness and, and let others know about those things. Let others see those things in you. Um, and when we do that, when we open ourselves up and say, hey, this is where I'm weak. This is something I'm not good at. This is uh, how I feel about this thing. We open ourselves up to being attacked or being hurt. And typically, uh, that's not something that we like to do. We don't want people to know our weakness. We don't want people to know how they can hurt us. And for me, this is, uh, by a pretty big margin, my least favorite topic in this series. Uh, I'm, I'm not somebody who's excited about vulnerability. I'm not somebody that's excited about, and this might surprise you, showing lots of emotion. Um, I'm just, I, I want this to happen for us. I want this to happen for me, but it's the one that I'm, I'm least excited about putting into practice. Um, I'm sure some of you are familiar with the Enneagram. Uh, if you're not, you should check it out. It's a pretty helpful tool. Um, but I'm a, I'm a number eight. And uh, there are some, some memes that help express how I as an eight feel about vulnerability. So the first one, maybe. All right, so SpongeBob, a uh, letter, it's okay to show vulnerability, no thanks, I'm just going to throw that in the fire. That's, that's, that's me, that's how I feel about vulnerability. Somebody says it's okay, no thanks, uh, and th this is why, the next, the next one is why. So there's this clam that goes in for therapy, just open up, I have a hard time trusting people, the therapist steals the pearl and runs out, right, that's, like, that's how I feel. As a person, I feel like if I open myself up, you people are going to take my pearl and run out of the room. And so I'm going to keep that locked up tight um, because I'm afraid if I, if I trust people, if I trust anyone, that they're going to use it against me. Like that's a way in which I'm broken and I need God to redeem that. And really, that's something that I feel like our culture tells us. 
right? Our culture tells us to only, only trust a few people, only up into a, open up to a few people, um, because we're not, we're not supposed to be vulnerable, right? We're supposed to be invulnerable. We're supposed to be strong and not weak. We're supposed to be, uh, you know, protected and not unprotected. And so the world tells us that that's who we're supposed to be. We're supposed to turn ourselves into these self-reliant, strong, invulnerable people. But that is not what Jesus has for us in the gospel. He calls us to something different. He calls us towards something different. Because of Jesus, we don't need to fear our weaknesses. We don't need to fear our weaknesses being made known. We don't have to be afraid to open ourselves up to other people. We can trust other people. Uh, Because of Jesus, because of the gospel, vulnerability and showing vulnerability, it leads to community. It leads to fellowship. It leads to relationship. It leads to, to us having growth uh, in Jesus and, and victory in our fight against sin and death and Satan. Vulnerability uh, helps us. It enables us to fight our sin and draw closer to Jesus. Vulnerability is a good thing, and we see that in Scripture. Because what we're going to see is that our weakness, our, our, our lack, uh, is, is not a mistake. It's not an accident. It's something that God has done in us so that his power might be made perfect in us, so that we would know and believe and others would see that his grace is sufficient for us. Because here's the thing, right? If, if we want to have a gospel culture at BC, if we want to have true and authentic and, and honest fellowship and community with one another, if we want to grow in our faith together, if we want to draw closer to Jesus, if we want to have greater communion with God, if we want to grow in our fight against sin, uh, if we want those things to happen, then we have to be vulnerable with one another. We cannot do this without vulnerability. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at a few passages and, and see this reality. So the first one is 1 John 1, 5 through 10. Again, that's 1 John 1, 5 through 10. And the verses are going to be up on the slides, or you can go ahead and turn there in your Bible. Again, that's 1 John 1, verses 5 through 10. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light And in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So he starts by saying that God is light, that there's no darkness in him. And so if we are people who walk in darkness, we we don't have fellowship with God. And saying anything to the opposite of that is a lie. But if, John says, on the other hand, we walk in the light as he is in the light, then, then we have fellowship with him. We have fellowship with one another. And so the first thing we need to talk about here is this this light dark stuff. John is is using the image of lightness and darkness to communicate a point. And in this passage that the light kind of primarily represents what God wants from us, kind of his desire for us, his moral standard. Living in the light, walking in the light is, is doing what God wants us to do. It's living like he calls us to live. 
But I think there's more at work here than just that. When he talks about lightness and darkness, he's also talking about, about knowledge. Uh, when, when something hides, right? It, it hides in the dark. We can't see what's in the dark. But when we bring something to light, we're, we're bringing something out into the world so that it may be known. So for example, look at Proverbs 4, 18 through 19. Verse 18 says, But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. They do not know over what they stumble. So the wicked, the people who walk in the darkness, right? they don't, they don't see the things they stumble over. Like right now, if you were to go to my house and, and walk in either of our kids' rooms, uh, you would see like foot maiming objects lining the floors. There's Legos, there's Duplos, which are like super Legos for your feet. Uh, and if you walk in those rooms in the darkness barefoot, like you are going to regret it very, very soon. It's like a home security system just all by itself. Because you can't see. But if on the other hand, you flip on the lights... Right? You can tiptoe very stealthily around all of those objects so that you don't hurt yourself. The Bible teaches us that, that walking in darkness is like that. Right? They, don't even, they don't even know what causes them to stumble. And so these verses, 8 through 10 here especially, have a lot to show us about vulnerability when we think about this. He says, if we say we have no sins, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So these verses aren't primarily about vulnerability, but they have a lot to teach us about it. Not acknowledging, not confessing our sin, not bringing it to light means that we are walking in darkness. It means we're lying. It means we're deceived about who we really are. On the other hand, if we walk in the light, John says that we have fellowship with one another. How do we get fellowship with one another? By not hiding in the darkness. Notice the shift in the earlier verses from, from 6 to 7. Right? He says, if we, if we say we have fellowship with him, if we say we have fellowship with God, but we walk in the darkness, we, we lie and we do not practice the truth. So we, we pretend that we have fellowship with God, but we walk in darkness. So we don't actually have fellowship with God. But if, verse 7, on the other hand, we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. So there, there's a shift that happens. Verse 6 is talking about our fellowship with God. And if we walk in the darkness, we don't actually have that. But verse 7 says that if we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another. So there's this move from fellowship with God to fellowship with one another. And the reason why John does that is because these verses are parallel. They are, they are intimately connected. Fellowship with God and fellowship with one another are intimately connected. They're, they're inseparable. And so if we walk in the darkness, we don't have fellowship with God and we don't have fellowship with one another. But if we walk in the light, if we bring ourselves out into the light, we have fellowship with him and we have fellowship with one another. So the first thing these verses teach us about vulnerability is that if we want to have fellowship, relationship, communion, community with God and with each other, we must be vulnerable. 
If we hide, if we remain in the darkness, if we try to keep things secret, we don't have fellowship. We have something that's fake, that looks a lot like it, but isn't really it. So ask yourself, right? do you want to be closer to God? The answer is hopefully yes, right? Like we, we all want to be closer to God. Do you want to be closer to the people in this church who you're in relationship with? Hopefully that answer is also yes. Even if you're like severely introverted and it's like, no, but I know that I need it. So yes, right? We, we want to grow closer. We want to grow deeper in our relationships. Well, if that's what you want, then don't hide in darkness. Don't try to keep your sin a secret. Don't try to hide behind a false front of hypocrisy, but instead open up, be real, be honest, be authentic, be who you are in front of other people. Be vulnerable. The end of verse 6 says another result of of walking in the light is that the the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And skip down to verse 9. Right? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is the, the second thing we see. Right? If we are vulnerable, if we confess our sins to one another, it's going to lead to Jesus cleansing us from sin uh, and, and being with us because he's faithful and just in this battle against sin. So do you want to have increasing victory over your sin? Right? Do you want to know that, that Jesus has forgiven your sins? Then, then don't hide them. Don't keep them in. Bring them out into the light. Confess them to other people. So the question we should ask then is, is to whom do we confess our sins? Right? John tells us that we, that we need to. So who do we do that to? So at the very least, like bare minimum, We should confess our sins to God and to the people that we sinned against slash sinned around. The people that that saw us do it or were the kind of the the recipient of our sin. We should confess to those people. But uh, I think that's like the worst case scenario. Not not actual worst case scenario. Actual worst case scenario would be not confessing to God or, or anyone. But I think that if we do the bare minimum, we're missing out on a lot of what God has for us. Um, Because confessing our sins to one another, it leads to more fellowship. It leads to more growth. It leads to more relationship. It leads to more victory over sin and closer relationship with Jesus and other people in our lives. Why? Because more people care about you. More people care about your struggle with sin. If you keep it just to yourself, no one knows about it. You're the only one that it bothers. You're the only one that, that wants to fight it. But if you involve other people in that, if you tell them about it, if you open up and share and you're vulnerable with them, they become invested in you and your struggle with sin. Also, why not? Right? What, what, what reasons would we give to not confess our sins to other people? I think that the main reason that I hear and that, that I throw up in my head so that I don't have to do it is credibility, right? If, if I really share what my struggles are with other people, then, then I'll lose credibility. Maybe, maybe my, my witness will be done damage if, if 
other people hear me confess sins? Well, my response to that is this. Our gospel witness is done far greater harm by us not confessing our sins than by us over-confessing them. We, 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 we say it's about our credibility. We say it's about our witness. But really what it's about is that we want other people to think that we're better than we really are. Hiding behind credibility or our reputation or our witness is just an excuse so that we can feel better about our own hypocrisy. Because it's through opening up. It's through confessing our sins that we have to grapple with. We have to wrestle with the reality of the, the badness of our sin. Right? If we just keep it inside, we're the only ones that know about it. But if we open our mouths and, and speak the, the evil, vile things that we struggle with with one another... We have to grapple with our sin in a way that we don't if we keep it inside. Now, I'm not saying, right, we, we tell all of our business to everybody, right? I'm not like driving down the road on the way here and every person I see jogging, I roll down the window and I'm just like, hey, I just want you to know I got angry with my daughter this morning. Drive up to the next person and do it all over again. That's, that's not what I'm saying, um, and, and I get that this idea is uncomfortable, right? And, and remember where we started this off, right? I, I'm going to be with you in the discomfort. Uh, I don't want to do this either. But I think this is one of the ways the gospel breaks forth through the strongholds in our lives. I think this is one of the ways the Spirit uses to conquer our sin by encouraging us to be people who are open, who are honest, who are vulnerable with one another about the good things and the bad things in our lives. And maybe you're out there and you're thinking like, that this is great, right? 1 John 1.9 says that we should confess our sins. But, but it doesn't say we should confess our sins to one another. Well, I've got a Bible verse for you. James 5.16, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So let's, let's check this again. Confess your sins to, to who? To one another. That's, that's you guys. That, that's me. That's us. And that's a command in God's word that's given to us. The, the downside, I think, to confessing our sins to one another is that you will think I am less great than you previously thought I was. And I will think you are less great than I previously thought you were. But what's really happening is that we're just getting a more accurate and honest picture of who we really are. So, so that's actually an upside, not a downside. But 
But the real, the real upside, the real benefit of us confessing our sins to one another is that we get more people involved in our lives. We get more people who care about us. We get more people who are invested in us overcoming our struggles with sin. We get more people invested in our lives overcoming the pain that we're going through. We get more people invested in our lives overcoming whatever trials it, are, it is that we're facing. Notice that James doesn't just say confess your sins to one another. He says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. Why do both? He says so. Because the prayer of a righteous person is powerful as it is working. Because when people who have been set free and empowered by Jesus pray for one another, stuff starts to happen. And so I would submit to you that if you've got an area in your life, a struggle with sin where you feel like you just can't get past it, you just can't get victory over it, I would say that it might be because you have been keeping it to yourself or you've been keeping it to too few of people when what you should be doing is you should be confessing it so that other people can join with you in that struggle and pray that you might overcome it. Because that is what we're supposed to do for one another. We're not supposed to try to fight sin on our own. We fight it together. Because when we pray, people get delivered. The flesh gets killed. Sin gets conquered. And growth begins to take place. Vulnerability leads to that. And it doesn't happen without it. If we keep it to ourselves, if we keep it to a small circle so we feel like we can still maintain our credibility, we're limiting what God wants to do in our life and overcoming our struggles. So the things we see from 1 John 1 is that uh, vulnerability leads to fellowship, leads to community, it leads to communion with God and with each other. We also see that that vulnerability, willingness to confess our sins to one another, it leads to growth and increased victory over our sin as Jesus begins to work through uh, the God's people praying together over that struggle. Our next passage uh, is is a big one. It's it's a long one. Um, We're not going to go through it verse by verse, but it's important because this is is Paul showing vulnerability. So we're going to read 2 Corinthians 11.1 through 12.10. And even though it's long, hang, hang on, because uh, it, it gets very, very good and very, very beneficial for us at the end. So the context here is that Paul is, is responding to these, these false apostles who have come into the church of Corinth. They've, they've come in and they're, they're kind of making all these outrageous claims about themselves to try to dismiss Paul as, as, a, as a false apostle. And so he is, kind of makes this outlandish argument about himself to prove them wrong. So I'm going to start reading verse 1 of chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians. I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness. Do bear with me, for I feel a divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. 
Indeed, I consider that I am not in the least inferior to these super apostles. Even if I am unskilled in speaking, I am not so in knowledge. Indeed, in every way we have made this plain to you in all things. Or did I commit a sin in humbling myself so that you might be exalted because I preached God's gospel to you free of charge? I robbed other churches by accepting support from them in order to serve you. And when I was with you and was in need, I did not burden anyone. For the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied my need. So I refrained and will refrain from burdening you in any way. As the truth of Christ is in me, this boasting of mine will not be silenced in the regions of Achaia. And why? Because I do not love you? God knows I do. And what I am doing, I will continue to do in order to undermine the claim of those who would like to claim that in their boasted mission, they work on the same terms as we do. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. I repeat, let no one think me foolish. But even if you do, accept me as a fool so that I too may boast a little. What I am saying with this boastful confidence, I say not as the Lord would, but as a fool. Since many boast according to the flesh, I too will boast. So Paul here is saying like he's going to make an argument from the flesh to kind of be on the same level as these guys and, and show that he's more qualified than they are. For you get gladly bear with fools, being wise yourselves. For you bear it if someone makes slaves of you or devours you or takes advantage of you or puts on airs or strikes you in the face. To my shame, I must say, we were too weak for that. But whatever anyone else dares to boast of, I'm speaking as a fool, I also dare to boast of that. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I am talking like a madman, with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and day I was adrift at sea, on frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, dangers from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleep night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak, and I am not weak? Who is made to fall, and I am not indignant? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. This is where Paul turns the argument around. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, the he who is blessed forever knows that I am not lying. At Damascus, the governor under King Eretus was guarding the city of Damascus in order to seize me, but I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped his hands. I must go on boasting, though there is nothing to be gained by it. I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast, except of my weakness. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So... 
to keep me from being conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So look again at what Paul says in verse 9, what God says to Paul in verse 9. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. So we don't know what Paul's thorn in the flesh was. Uh, It was something, some sort of weakness that he had, that he begged God to take away, that God did not take away, but God instead said that his grace was sufficient for Paul and that his power was made perfect in weakness. And this is true for us as well. So think about the most difficult thing you're facing right now. Whatever whatever pain or or suffering or trial or, or struggle with sin, whatever the thing is that you feel like, I just can't deal with this. The God of the universe says this to you this morning. His grace is sufficient. It is. That is as true for us as it was for Paul. And his power is made perfect in our weakness. So we don't need to hide. We don't need to pretend like we have it all together. We don't need to try to shove our our weaknesses or our struggles or our trials or our suffering or our pain into the, the, the tiny corner of our heart. We can bring it out and let people know about it because God's grace is sufficient. Because his power is made perfect in our weakness. Right? So how can God's power be made perfect? Right? It isn't, isn't it already perfect? Because God is perfect? I think what he's talking about here is that it is, his power is, is brought to completion. It, it's, it's put on display. It's made manifest in Paul because of his weakness. And here's the thing that we can't miss. Right? Paul's weakness, whatever his thorn in the flesh was, it it was not a mistake. It was not an accident. It's not something that that caught God off guard. Paul asked God to take it away, and God didn't. So it was intentional. Paul's weakness was a strategy from God through which his power was made perfect. And that goes for us too. Our our weakness, our our brokenness, the the ways in which we fall short of of being perfect. It's not who who we are as people, who you are as a person. It's it's not an accident. It's not like you were born and then developed into the person that you are now, and God was like, whoops, right? I messed up on that one. That's not how it works. 
God is all-powerful. He's in control of all things. He created you to be who you are. You are not a mistake. You're not an accident. Even with your brokenness, even with your weakness, like Paul, you are a strategy that God wants to use to make his power perfect in. He wants to display who he is through you to the lost and dying world around you. Because his grace is sufficient for you. But when we try to hide, when we try to cover up, when we protect our credibility and our reputation, when we refuse to show vulnerability, what we're doing is we are preventing God's power from being made perfect in us. We're not letting it be put on display. We're saying his grace is not sufficient for me. My own protection of myself is what's sufficient. Not being vulnerable means missing out on fellowship with God. It means missing out on grace that he wants to show you through it. And I'm talking about right, real, real weakness. I'm not talking about like job interview weaknesses. Right, like... I just, I just care too much about other people. Sometimes I work too hard. Right? I'm talking about the things that we don't want to share with people. Because whether you're someone who's an undersharer or an oversharer, right? oversharers can share a whole lot of stuff and not be vulnerable. Because it's easy to share about other people's stuff. Sometimes it's easy to, to share, right, little snippets of our life that we've sanitized for public consumption. But real vulnerability hurts. It's uncomfortable. It's not something that we want. But it's through that kind of vulnerability that God's power is made perfect. It's through situations like that where we open ourselves up that we see that his grace is sufficient. The last passage I want us to look at this morning is earlier in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 6, verses 11 through 13. Paul says, We, that's him and the people that he's writing with, we have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak as to children, widen your hearts also. Paul says that his heart, the heart of those that are his fellow workers, is, is wide open to the Corinthians. Right? There's nothing closed off from them. And he's asking the Corinthians to, to, to be the same way, to, to widen their hearts also. Let's be people like Paul. whose hearts are wide open to each other, who don't hold things back, who don't hide behind walls that we've put up to protect ourselves. Now, that's risky. Right? If, If I open my heart up to you, chances are some of you, maybe even a lot of you, are going to hurt me. If you open up your heart to me, there's a really good chance I'm going to hurt you. 
Because we're, we're not perfect people. We're still broken. We're still being made perfect. We're still being made new. And as we begin to live life in the way that we're pushing our church to through gospel culture, we're going to mess up. We're going to sin against each other. It's going to happen. But the good stuff is going to happen too. We're going to have closer relationship. We're going to have more true fellowship. We're going to be closer with one another and closer to God. We're going to have increasing victory over our sin. We're going to pray for one another because we know better what's going on with each other. Things are going to happen uh, as we show vulnerability to each other. And so let's be people that widen our hearts towards one another. Right? Let's do that as we celebrate the Lord's Supper in a few minutes. Let's do that as we worship together. Let's do that in our MCs. Let's do that as we live life together. Let's do that as we go out on mission in our community. Let's be people with hearts that are wide open towards those around us. Because that's who Jesus calls us to be. Right? As we think about this series, a lot of it is basically saying, like, who is Jesus and how can we be more like him? And uh, for me, for most of my life, that, that statement was, was really hard to, to wrap my head around um, because I always just pictured Jesus as this kind of like super serious, like spiritual guy all the time. And I thought like, that's, that's not who I am. And like, even for like a portion of my life during college, I became like super serious Dan who like tells no jokes and never smiles or laughs, uh, which, which is not fun for anyone. But Mike Breen uh, wrote a book about discipleship and a few other books. He says that discipleship, following Jesus, is, is becoming who Jesus would be if he was you. And I feel like that's a lot more helpful than like the, the WWJD bracelets, right? Like th those are helpful, uh, even if they're not stylish. Um, but sometimes like Jesus wouldn't do things in the way that I would do things because he's different than me. God created me with my personality and my gifts. He created you with your personality and your gifts. And so what we want to figure out is, is what does perfect obedience to the Father look like in my life? What does perfect obedience to the Father look like in your life? And when we think about vulnerability and we look at Jesus, we think, well, he, he, he didn't really show vulnerability. Because normally when we think about vulnerability, it's, it's talking about things that we don't want to talk about, right? It's, it's sharing some of the darkness that's in us and bringing that to light. But Jesus was all light. He didn't have any darkness to bring to light. But he was just himself, right? Jesus was, was always honest with people. So he, he showed vulnerability. It just looks different than us because he's not stained by sin like we are. He's not beset with brokenness like we are because of our sin. And really, that's what vulnerability is all about. It's not just about us, you know, getting the bad stuff out to other people. It's about us being who we really are and, and letting other people know where we're really at with people all the time. It's us being honest. We just try to complicate it with a whole bunch of qualifications for why we don't actually have to do it. 
we see Jesus being, living honestly throughout the pages of the Gospels. He came down here to live the life we couldn't live, to die in our place and rose again. And it's because of him. It's because he has pierced the darkness that we can be people who walk in the light. It's because of what he's done that we can show vulnerability. Because if he has accepted me and he has accepted you, then why do we need to be concerned? Why do we need to be fearful? Why do we need to be worried about whether we accept one another? Jesus has accepted us and that should be enough. So because of that, I should be willing to share with you, even though I might be afraid that you might not think of me as highly as you previously did. He died so that we could show vulnerability with one another. And so let's be people who do that. Let's be people who live life with, with hearts wide open to one another. Um, as we celebrate the Lord's Supper in, in just a minute, right, because of, of, of COVID, we're doing things differently now. But, but normally, right, we all kind of gather around the table. We all go up to the same table and, and get the same thing because we're celebrating this meal together. And the reality is that there's only one person around the table that has it all together. And that's Jesus. Right? The only one that doesn't need to grow in vulnerability is Jesus. And so we come as people who don't have any reason not to be vulnerable with one another. Because we know that the person we're talking to, the people we're talking to, they don't have it all together either. Right? They're just broken in different ways than we are. Or maybe, if we open up to one another, we'll find that we're broken in some of the same ways and we can be even more encouraging to each other. But continuing to, 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 to hide in the darkness just means that we don't see the things that are causing us to stumble. So it's my hope that learning from God's word this morning would, would cause you and cause me to, to be more open, to show more vulnerability, to not be so concerned about our own name and what we look like and this image that we meticulously try to maintain, but instead we would be willing to tarnish our own reputations so that God's name might be made great in us. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we confess that we are overly concerned with, with how we seem or how we look or how we appear to other people. That we're more scared of other people knowing our sin than we are of you knowing our sin. We pray that you would, by your Spirit, burden us to be people who show vulnerability. Give us a passion to shine your light on the darkness that still exists in us. pray that you would 
break down the walls and the defense mechanisms and the barriers that we have crafted in our hearts to keep other people out. And that even at the risk of pain and hurt, that we would open ourselves up to each other so that you might be glorified, so that your power might be made perfect in us, so that we might know and see and experience the sufficiency of your grace, so that we would be drawn closer into fellowship with you and fellowship with one another, and so that we would see increasing and and lasting victory over our struggles with sin. We pray that you would not let us be people who hide, but that your spirit and, and, and your spirit in your people would seek us out and pursue us and draw us more and more into your family into what you have for us out in the light. Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen.